Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Sweta Patel. She's the Vice President of Engagement Growth Marketing at Roku. At Roku, she's responsible for increasing user engagement on the Roku channel, a free ad-supported service on the America's number one streaming platform, Roku. Since joining the company in 2020, Sweta has created campaigns and workflows that drive that user loyalty and increase customer lifetime value for their fast-growing user base. Prior to Roku, Sweta held leadership roles at Apple, Hulu, the Walt Disney Company, Cox Communications, and Comcast where she spearheaded acquisition efforts, engagements, upsell, retention, and win-back marketing initiatives. On the show today, we talk about streaming, the rapid growth, how they're using the Roku platform, and how marketers should be thinking about engaging with streaming providers in the future. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sweta Patel. Sweta, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation, learning as much as I can about Roku in the process. But before we get to the business side, I hear you are a twin. Are you identical twins? That's right. Yes, we are. I am an identical (laughs) twin. My twin lives in London and I am here in LA. Identical twins. I I knew a set when I was growing up and 
it took me a while to kind of figure out who was who. Did you guys ever play tricks on people? Oh, <laughs> yeah, we we did. We played so many tricks. One that really stands out is, um, I think we were in middle school, and we went to each other's classes for the whole day, and we pulled it off that day. Then we tried again the following week, because now we are just trying to see, can we just do this permanently? And then we got busted really quickly after that, and it didn't happen again. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm sure we'll get back to your your personal stories and and, and fun things later in the conversation. Um, but you're at Roku now, and you're vice president of uh, growth marketing at Roku. And so, tell me a little bit about your career. Like, where did you get started, and how did you end up at Roku? So, you know, my career's always been in the media and entertainment sector. And I've kind of evolved along as the industry has seen major disruptions. I started back in 2000 um, and I was at Comcast when analog TV was the thing and we were just going to digital. We had 50 channels and we couldn't wait to market them. And then we probably know the bundle came along. And at that time, Cox Communications was a leader in bundling video, Internet and, and the phone. And so... I decided to jump onto that because I knew that was going to be the next thing in trying to make sure you're kind of locking people in. And so I went there for seven years and we really built out, my goal there was to build out a CRM and a campaign management uh, functionality. And the reason for that is because we are trying to get current customers, obviously, to take on more and more products. And at that point, video was dying. Like we were starting to see the the cliff of of video, and so that's when I jumped into streaming. Um, and at the time, Disney. I don't know if you remember, but Disney was doing great, right? They were buying Pixar and Lucas and Marvel, and they had Hulu. So that's where I started with the Hulu thing. That's where I kind of started and jumped into streaming. I went to Disney first. That's a big machine. My God, that was too slow for me. I loved it, but it was too slow and too many processes. And from there, I jumped into Hulu and then Apple TV uh, with Apple TV Plus. And now I'm here at Roku and by far the best role I've had. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, just the brands and the companies that you've worked with, like you've seen so many transformations. <laughs> like, and to have worked at Apple and in streaming, Hulu in streaming and now Roku, like I don't know anyone with that much streaming experience and it's new, like it's still evolving. I love the amount of data. When I first started, um, the, the one thing that was across my whole career and all those moves was I was always going and jumping into building out data-driven capabilities. And so at, with streaming, you have so much information and it allows you to be, at least for me, an ex, you know, it's exciting to be you able to use all that data to get really specific in how you're targeting. So you watch this show, but now watch this one. There's so much information you have to become such a better marketer. Let's talk about growth and, and how you're driving that because it's never easy, right? Like every marketer you ask, they're always looking for growth. That's the primary function of marketing is to try to grow, grow the brand, grow the sales, grow the leads, grow the subscriptions, et cetera. And resources, you almost never hear somebody say, yeah, I've got plenty of resources. I've got enough resources. I don't need any more. How do you think about driving growth within marketing? And what do you feel like has changed over the years um, and the businesses that you've worked in? 
You know, it's a really, really complicated place to be right now, to be a marketer. Not only do you need the traditional business side of marketing, but you really need to be technology forward and data reliant, I think. I think of them in three buckets. Like the way I look at these three levers that I'll just kind of poke into in a minute, and I've looked at them in, in every job that I've had. But it's just gotten much worse. Um, you know, not only is is there not enough growth to be had, but you're losing resources and you're having to just become more and more efficient. And those three things I tend to focus on are everything is moving so fast, right? And humans can't keep up with it. I mean, you need to be able to market and deliver personalized experiences at, at what I call at the speed of a TikTok swipe. If you can't get to the consumer that quickly, especially five years from now, the relevance of you being around is just is just going to get lower and lower. And then with talking about like things like TikTok, the media uh, landscape is so fragmented, right? Like people are on Instagram and they're on TikTok and they're watching TV, they're watching it on multiple devices. And so you've got more and more marketing channels than we've ever had before. People are all over the place and you need to get to them quicker. So that's a challenge. At Roku, the way we're trying to handle these things is we've really started to invest into our CRM. And so our goal, before I got here, we we had channels, you know, what they call multi-channel marketing. We did that. And everyone's trying to do that. And everyone's trying to do omni-channel marketing. But the way we're focusing about it is we're really trying to nail and get the power of our platform out. And so one of my roles here at here at Roku is becoming hyper-focused on really building tools and automations so that the marketers can actually be feeding the systems and, and making the systems be the brains of what we do versus all this manual curation and execution that needs to happen. So that's where we're focused today for the Roku channel. And let's talk a little bit about Roku. I think most listeners, wherever they are in the world, have probably experienced Roku at some point in time. But your business is is pretty vast. Like as I was researching for this conversation, I mean, you've got the devices, but you've got the operating system itself, and then you've got the content. But like, how how do you think about the business, and how would you define what Roku's doing today? We are the number one streaming platform in America and in Canada, and our business has two core offerings. And I'm just going to quickly tell you about them and how we have all of those kind of working together. Like you said, it's our devices, right? We've got the Roku devices and we have Roku TVs. And these, these devices and TVs really offer an easy way to watch TV. For most users, that this is what they use to get to their Netflixes, Hulus, Disneys, and, and the Roku channel. The TVs, however, people know us for devices, but with a number one, with one in three TVs in the US are powered by Roku. And we partner with multiple manufacturers like TCL and, and Hisense to do that. And then the second part of our, our business is the platform business. And that's made up of three pillars. It's advertising, right? That is what we do at the core. And then we've got our content partnerships like the streaming uh, providers I just mentioned. And then, of course, the Roku channel. And all of that works together and is really how we monetize for the business. Then as we drive a little deeper into the platform business and Roku channel, how do you describe what Roku channel is for listeners and what makes it unique or special? 
The Roku channel is an ad-supported channel that is on the Roku platform, but it's not only on the Roku platform. It's also, you know, you can download the app, you can watch it on, on web, you can watch it on Fire TV and on Samsung. And what that is, is it's free TV, right? When we, when we talk to our customers, 87% of our customers told us that they want free TV. And actually free is the biggest, um, the largest uh, searched word on our, on our platform. And the channel offers live and on-demand TV. We've got, I think, around, at this point, more than 40, 45,000 free movies and TV programs. We wanted to work with kids and make sure we're giving them a platform to watch. So we've got a, a robust kids and family offering, a live TV guide, premium subscriptions, and now we just launched Roku Original. So it's where you come to watch all your content. In, in its simplicity, that it's where you come to watch, whether it's ad-supported ad or your premium subscription. You can watch all of that in the Roku channel. You're creating the, the entire experience, if you will, um, within the channel. And on our platform, right? So we've emerged it, immersed it into our platform, which is what makes it really unique versus others. You just mentioned Roku's originals. Uh, congrats on the launch of that. Tell me about the launch and like, how did you even market it? We took a really different approach than how people usually market originals. Our marketing strategy was to really focus on how can Roku come out with the biggest campaign that we've had to date and mainly, or sorry, I should say, and primarily use the power of our own platform to do that. We have the unique opportunity, I would say, to connect our shows to audiences at scale, right? Obviously, the first round of our originals was the Quibi content that we bought. What we could do was really put it on the platform to, to give it scale. And then the data component that I mentioned to you, right? We made sure that we used all the data, obviously, that we can, right, within the, the constraints of what we are allowed to do so that we went really deep and went targeted for specific shows. And then we also went really broad for a lot of the shows that had a mass appeal. Our platform was, I would say our platform leaning into it with a 100% share of voice and then merging the product and the marketing component of our platform is where I think we were really different. We took our marketing and almost made it a, a feature function of the platform. We're embedded in the left-hand nav, right, which is where people go to kind of navigate around their Roku. And then we also had a primetime ad, which was right at the bottom on the left-hand corner that allowed customers to get to content within a click or two. Our goal was to make sure you could get to anything you wanted to watch within a click or two, right when you wanted to watch it, which is when you turned your Roku on. How did you feel? I mean, you've worked at the likes of, you know, Disney and Apple before coming to Roku, uh, as well as like Comcast and all those others that we talked about. How did it feel to like have to stay kind of within the platform to launch? Were you concerned about that at all? Yes, I was concerned about <laughs> I was concerned about that. I hadn't heard of ever doing it this way. And that's 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 the spirit of Roku. They don't do what everybody does. They they're not just going to get on, well, everyone does it like this, so let's us do it like this. But the way I got around it was I went to the core of using the data, right? We know what 50, 55, 50 million people at this point have a Roku device in their home. And so we wanted to make sure that we use that data to understand where should we put our money? Is it really worth going out there and buying mass marketing spots or outdoor and billboards? 
or do we actually use the platform we have that already gets to all of these people every single day and why not use that and make sure that we're more effective and efficient in it so we pulled the data we looked at it we looked at who we could get to how many impressions we could make what our reach was going to be and the data spoke for itself we we actually didn't have to do those other things to be able to still get people to know about roku originals and start tuning in that's amazing. And, and, and not only that, you're proving out the platform itself for your partners and for your advertisers and the like. That's a great story. I'm trying to make it analogous to other, another industry, which may be too far of a stretch, but I'll use it as an example. Because like, if I think about consumer packaged goods as an example, very different. But Roku and the platform itself is like the grocery store, right? Like that's where, that's where you go to get, you go to consume, you go to pull it off the shelf, click, so to speak. And, you know, so you just, it sounds like, you know, you leveraged the data that you have of traffic patterns, consumption, and you're just there at the moment that they're interested in consuming content. You're right at that moment. And they're already coming into your platform. To your point, you've got this huge mass audience. So you don't have to do the air cover in that case, the advertising and the billboards and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that helps other people, but it helps me to think about it like that. Like you own the store, if you will, like in that analogy. That's right. I didn't think about it like that. That's right. I'll even take that a little further. No, you own the store. And then, you know, right when you're at the checkout, they have done so much research on exactly <laughs> oh, yeah. what products they put in front of you right before the checkout. We have the ability to do that, right? When you turn it on, we know we know what you're going to want to watch. At least we try to know what you're going to want to watch. We try to use our data to, to put that. And we do it right when you're ready to watch. Right when you're at the checkout, we put it in front of you. For me, I'm going to tell my, tell my vices, you're the Tic Tacs or the, the uh, peppermint patties waiting for me right where I'm ready to buy. It obviously seems to have worked. Uh, why do you think it worked? Was there any surprises along the way? I wouldn't say there were surprises. It has. We we really couldn't be more pleased with the performance of it. In the in the first sixty days, I think post launch, the top five merch TV shows on the Roku channel are Roku Originals, and not only do they come. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When our consumers come in and watch them, right? but they were streaming on average nine episodes. So that was phenomenal for us to see that kind of a response from our consumers. And then we just recently, I think August 13th, right? So 10 days ago, we because it was doing so well, we launched our next batch of 23 titles that consumers can now go and watch for free as well. So not surprised, but there, there was a lot of work that obviously went into it. 
I, I think I'm going to go back to what we just talked about in the analogy of the grocery store, just used the data we have in order to make sure not only did we time it properly, but we, we created placements that made sense, you know, so we weren't just okay with you have to go through two clicks to get to the Roku channel and then you can find the content. We put it right in front, right when you walk in, right when you're at the checkout, we put the shows there for you to watch. That's a testament what you just described in the consumption pattern, even after you get them to try it, is they're coming back for more. I mean, that speaks to the quality of the content too. I mean, the product itself, the product being content in this case, the titles that you're selling. Look, this is Hollywood's best talent, right? We know that it was done and tried and maybe it didn't it didn't catch the attention it needed for many reasons but the content you can't argue with it's great content it's got hollywood's best talent in it i mean they're not small names we've got big big names behind it in front of the camera and behind the camera so yeah the content is fantastic and there's something in there for everyone well at roku you've got all so much going on you've got your own content with originals you got your channel you've got the platform itself and your content partners and advertising in general, how can marketers, you know, that may be listening to this, think about working with Roku? So our ad sales team and my colleagues in the ad sales team, they really do a phenomenal job connecting marketers um, across many, many brand brands and industries, right? The thing about what we just talked about regarding how we launch Roku Originals versus what we are out there selling to the brands is the same thing. I think when we talked about this earlier, I had mentioned we ate our own dog food. So what made us super successful with Roku Originals and the marketing for the Roku channel in general is that everything we used, every placement we used, whether that was the min, the primetime ad, whether that's the video ads that we have, these are all things that are available to all the advertisers and brands out there that want to work with us. And the upside really for these brands is we not only offer the big screen branding potential and the beauty that comes with advertising on TV, but we do it on a one-to-one targeting, right? We have precision on who these companies want to go after. So it really helps marketers uh, take their dollars and make it go a lot further. I don't think there's a marketer, like you said, out there that, that has infinite dollars anymore, right? They don't have that. And so everyone's looking to really get very segmented in who, who they're reaching. And the Roku platform and our ad sales team, who do a fantastic job at this, really go and make that happen for multiple brands. Maybe some folks will reach out to Roku after listening to this. You guys have a tremendous amount going on. You do have quite a bit of scale to your earlier point about the number of of devices and TVs and um, just the percentage of households that have your products. Um, It's kind of mind boggling. Let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit more about, about you and My favorite question to ask people that come on the show is, you know, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yeah. um, Back to uh, the question you asked when we first kicked this off about my twins. So like many, my family is a really big part of who I am today. And some background on that is um, we I grew up in England. Um, my mom decided to move us from India to England when I was in, in preschool. I have four sisters, one of whom is my twin, and I have a brother. And so my parents, who were, who were in India while I was a, a, a toddler at the time, 
they decided to migrate and move to England to make sure that the four, my four sisters and I would have an equal opportunity. The same thing my brother could do, we could do. And my mom at the time didn't have those same opportunities. So she kind of stuck her heels in and told my dad, we're, we're moving, we're taking these girls and we're moving to get them an, an education and an opportunity that is endless versus what hers was. And so, you know, being an immigrant, and uh, obviously this is pretty timely when I think about it with everything going on in, in Afghanistan and whatnot, but being an immigrant, we were really forced to live through a lot of adversities. You know, we couldn't speak the language. My mom was trying to raise six kids. And so we all relied on each other and each other's, my six, six of us, right? Six kids and my mom. We relied on each other and each other's unique skills. Every one of my siblings is different at something good, is different and good at something very different than the other, right? So the idea of kids were raising each other and we were also raising my mom because my mom couldn't do things natively that we eventually ended up being able to do. It was really, it was tough, but I wouldn't change it. You know, I, I tell the story and I wouldn't change it. It's really made me resilient and, and really empathetic and taught me the importance of having this team, team first mentality. Like it, it was my, it was all of us or none. There was no, there was no sweater that just stood out. It was sweater part of the Patel family and the whole family was involved in everything. I love that. I love that notion. And the, I mean, I can't think, I, I only had a sister growing up, so I can't imagine what six kids was like with your mom. And to your point, like you guys are probably in some ways faster to adapt the new culture that you're going into and trying to help your mom along the way as you could and as you grew up yeah i can i can totally see that you're team patel (laughs) and take that to my work life too you know when i think of how i build teams and how i lead them i'm very conscious and specific about who I'm bringing in and the fact that everyone comes in with a unique skill that works with the other person. I'm not looking for someone that can do it all, right? Because that that doesn't work. It hasn't worked. The way I grew up, it didn't work. We all were good at different things. And then collectively, we were just great at it. And that's what I kind of look for when I'm when I'm building a team out as well. That's really good advice. I, I hadn't thought about that, but it makes perfect sense. Well, if you were starting this journey all over again, what advice would you give your younger self? So part of being the collective and not the individual means you really have to work on your on your confidence. And so my younger self, I would say, and I tell this to my niece today, is really investing in confidence, not just competence. I struggled with that for a while, um, and especially being a woman in the corporate world, I've struggled with it more so than my my uh, male counterparts, who have both, but they just naturally seem to have a lot more lot more confidence. So yeah, I would tell, I would say that both need a lot of work. You can't just be competent and and succeed because you have to be competent and show that competency by having confidence in it. I'm laughing a little bit because my wife and my daughter, who's 13, they're the only two other humans in my house. They will tell you that dad from time to time has a lot of confidence and very little competence. (laughs) 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 uh, Probably more often than I, uh, they're my humility meter. You know, they keep me in check. It's funny that you say that because I've noticed just being Indian and I think a lot of Asian and South Asian women go through this, the cultures 
they really pride, put, put a, a lot of pride on humility and almost not talking about yourself. And so, you know, being Indian, being raised in England, and then now working in America, I've, I've had to kind of figure out how to pull and push things out of my cultural background that work for that moment. And Americans in general, they really value confidence. And I've had to kind of put it together and learn and grow. And I'm, I'm growing and learning even today. So I, I would tell it to my younger self. I'm still working on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, and I don't know if it's true, but I always think about the media and entertainment industry as well as being exuding confidence uh, more so than even other industries or sectors as well. So I can only imagine it's, it's a little bit heightened in that industry. Is there a topic that you believe marketers should be learning more about these days or that you're trying to learn more about yourself? I've always been in this field from when I first started out. And, and I'm going to say using data and technology to, to kind of connect with customers wherever they are. When I first started, the cable companies were quite good at this because they had, they had so much information. I think we've spent about, I don't know, the last 10 years collecting a ton of data and storing them and servers that can store them and how big is my data versus your data. I, I don't think that many companies, I, I think there are many companies that have actually figured out how to use that and use that quickly, not just sit on it, but have insights and insights that turn into campaigns and campaigns that turn into um, analytics and analytics that fuel fuel all of this back, right? That circle. It's really difficult to do. And, and I think that, that we don't have a choice but to figure out how to use the data we have. And, and that's, I think, what everyone should be learning more about. And that's when you start hearing about, you know, how do you have machines do this? And, and how do you uh, do this in a way that is arti using artificial in intelligence to say what you should watch next, not what, you know, what you should curate? On a personal front, uh, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow you think other people should be taking notice of? I'm going to go to companies because I've done a lot of research on this company and I just don't understand how it's doing. I would say the companies I tend to focus on are those that are either doing something really disruptive or making something really easy. And the one that stands out right now, there's two, and then there's an industry I want to actually talk about. So TikTok. Oh my goodness. Not because, you know, it's new, but because I think it's really changing culture. And that's fascinating to me, right? Which makes me get on my toes and figure out, well, this is going to go at the speed of light. How are we going to figure this out? It's not just a product. It's actually changing how people live now. Um, it's changing how, what entertainment is. And it's entertainment is now not just, you know, TV shows and news and live TV. It's actually just these kids watching these videos and just sitting there spending hours swiping up and down. So that company I've got my eyes on because I think they're doing a, a phenomenal job on using, again, they use great data to put video after video in front of you. They've done it really, really well. So the second one I wanted to talk about was the financial industry and all these fintech apps that are coming out are fascinating to me. Um, Dave, I, I don't know where, where you live. Um, where, where do you live, by the way? I, I'm in outside of DC. Okay. Um, so this company, Dave, 
it's an app. I think that they're based out of LA and what they're doing is they're really simplifying banking and money management for the average American. So Apple does it really well with their Apple wallet and their Apple card, but that's for people who can afford $1,300 phones. Dave is doing it for the average American that needs things like a loan of $200 because they're going to go overdraft, but they're not going to charge you an overdraft fee. Instead, you pay a subscription fee to have this banking app, and then they loan they loan their users money. I think that's really going to change how people think about banking. I've been reading about a lot about fintech, and that one has, has stuck stuck with me. Those are really fascinating brands, and to your point, our companies and um, the fintech space in general is hot. I mean, it's just so much disruption going on in that space. I have one more question for you. What do you feel like is either the largest opportunity or the biggest threat that face marketers today? It kind of ties back to what I mentioned earlier, but when I think of being a mom and a marketer, I'm always thinking about how how is my son who's four right now, and what I think that's the alpha generation, how are they going to be influenced and how will they, they engage with, with brands? So when I think of that, it, it, always, it still takes me back to the amount of data that we're going to need to use to make campaigning for marketers easy and real time. I think if we don't figure that out, that's a threat. And in fact, in fact, I don't think there's an opportunity where we can't figure it out. We we have to get our marketing to the point where it's just real time and even products that are personalized and real time. And I think it will continue to accelerate as you see changes like autonomous vehicles. That's going to change how people think about transportation as well. And from a marketing or product standpoint, like it opens up a whole new avenue for marketers to think about how they can deliver messages to you. But yeah, it's, I can only imagine. I, I remember my daughter's 13, but I remember roughly when she was four, maybe five, and just using tablets and the strange oddity of like when she had to get a computer and figure out how to use the keyboard. Like that was a whole foreign concept. <laughs> Not to mention, like when dad says, we used to have CD collections and they go, what is a CD? But yeah, that's fascinating. It's going to be, uh, future is, is going to be strange to all of us, I think, as we look back. Sweta, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I've learned a lot and um, what an amazing knowledge you have of, of like the streaming category and, and, and growth within the Roku platform too. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Marketing Today. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.